Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation with two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and the world of pop culture. So we decided to combine the two. I'm Kara Kirby. And I'm Virginia Martinez. We work with organizations all over the world to inspire and implement people-first practices. We're here to talk about navigating the workplace, and we do it through the lens of great television. Our first two seasons are dedicated to Ted Lasso. Join us as we unpack the leadership lessons in each episode. Let's get into it. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We are in season two, episode three, and this is called Doing the Rightest Thing. Um, By the way, I have a really funny story on this. I, I, I was like listening to this podcast one time and I always do these like quotes on Instagram and it, and it was like during the pandemic and I made this quote that was like, always just do the next right thing whenever you don't know what's going on. Cause I thought that resonated so much with leaders because nobody had any idea like what the hell to do, how to talk to their team, how to show up in that whole crazy situation. And then I was watching the second Frozen movie and realized that I was quoting the second Frozen movie, which was fine. I just didn't realize. <laughs> It. <laughs> they have like a whole song around it. <laughs> I was like, am I? <laughs> inspiration. Our organizational development and leadership development inspiration comes from all over. <laughs> and I was like, cool, cool, cool. Real inspirational there, KK. <laughs> It was, and this is why it's called Pop on Leadership. I know. We, okay. So anyways, doing the rightiest thing. So we have a couple of things that are going on here. So Jamie's back in season, um, in episode two, we see him run back onto the field. So we know that there's going to be some conflict and tension there about how Jamie's going to show up, like how the team is going to react, et cetera. So um, yeah, so we see we see Jamie try to come back and assimilate onto the team in this very weird situation. Um, there's also a very big theme here where Sam figures out that Dubai Air is a subsidiary of a company that is destroying Nigeria. So we see the team like, you know, they they have a really big decision in front of them of like how they're going to handle the situation. So we'll unpack a little bit about what happens there. Um, And then also, so we see one of we see Ted do one of his tactics (laughs) which is very odd to motivating the team where he turns into um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He's got a weird little thing going on there with lead tasso. (laughs) And then, and and then just, just more on Jamie. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Jamie tart in this episode. So let's go ahead and get into it. So one of the first things that happens in this episode is that we see Jamie apologize to the team. Mm -hmm. So Jamie has been an asshole. He's been a, he was a complete asshole season one. Um, you know, he just can't help himself. And now he has he has nowhere to turn so that he's come back onto the team and he recognizes it. And it's actually a really mm-hmm. nice moment. He's like, I want to be a better person. I want to be better to you guys. We see him getting left out of the conversations and and that's weird for him. So he apologizes to the team and it's and it's a good moment. But we wanted to, you know, our first topic today, we want to talk about apologies. Yeah. Like what would so what would so Virginia, what would you do if you if you were if you were our boy Jamie in this situation? I, th- I think Jamie's coming from a real place, a sincere place that he recognizes he was a jerk, that he wants to make right by this team. 
Um, I think he was surprised that when he was like, and his apology, here's my kind of takeaway, was a bit superficial. was like, I get it that I was mm-hmm. a jerk. I apologize. And then the team starts airing their grievances like a jerk. Like, and they start airing their like <laughs> personal things. You ruined my life. Hit on my mom in front of my dad. Like you, like you, like anyway. And it's like, and so it wasn't enough, right? So there's a couple of things about apologizing that I think um, we don't all do well, right? So this, um, I always equate it to like, if you accidentally step on someone's toe, we're always like, our knee-jerk reaction is like, oh, I'm so sorry. Did I hurt you? I'm sorry. I didn't see where I was walking. I- I'll be more careful. And yet in real life, like the way we apologize is like, well, why'd you put your toe there? I didn't mean to step on it. Why are you, why do you think I'm a bad person? Like, I don't just go around stepping on toe. Like, we don't, <laughs> like, it's the most bizarre thing. Like, and so I remind people like that sort of um gut reaction you have when you accidentally step on your someone's toe is like kind of like the framework that you need to apologize in real life and it's like apologize acknowledge what you did take accountability for the fact that the other person is hurt in some way shape or form and ensure them that you're not going to do it again and explain how and why you're not going to do it again. Now, then it's up to you to like behave differently to actually like uphold the things that you said you were going to do differently. And for here's the other thing about an apology. We always assume the other person has to accept it. And then we get really hurt mm. when they don't accept it. Like what was happening in the locker room. Like it is your responsibility to take accountability and apologize. But it is not their responsibility to accept it. And that's hard. People don't like that because then they double down like, you know what? I was right. I should have stepped on your toe. <laughs> You're that type of person that would do that if you stepped on my toe. Yeah, exactly. So I think a good apology, this was sort of not, it was a very superficial apology. He was trying though. He was totally trying. Yeah, I think he, no, I think um, he was. I think he was. I just don't think he, I think it was coming from a good place. I just don't think he realized why it was falling flat. Yeah, definitely. Poor Jamie. <laughs> but then he tries to like, he has this idea that maybe he'll just like win them over by buying them all like, you know, PlayStation fives. And like, Ted's like, I don't know if you can just like buy them. And he's like, why not? You know? So I think there's a still a little bit of like immaturity as to like, he's still 24, he's still 24. <laughs> yeah. 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 What would make a good apology in in your mind? Have you ever been in a position where you've had to eat crow a little bit and really own up to stuff? Oh my god, like every other day of my life, but um <laughs> I doubt it. I make a I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> but no, I I mean, I think yeah, I think that I mean, I've been on I've been on both ends of that, right? Like I've had people do like really like messed up things to me before, and it's it's yeah. It, I I mean, I think that it just it just comes with someone being like really earnest, right? Of like I did you know I just 
I wasn't seeing things correctly. I had to, I've, and I've had to go on an apology tour like Jamie before. Like, I mean, I used to, I used to walk into situations like a bull in a china shop. That whole idea, people, people don't care about what you have to say unless until they realize how much you care about them. That was something I, I didn't, I didn't learn early enough in life. Like I was like a know-it-all and I would just like storm into places. And, and I also always looked like I was like 19 years old, like early on in my career. So people like never would take me seriously. So it was like the combination, like, like, and like, I always have like a buffer zone, like of like two months and then people are like, oh, okay. She actually, she has good intentions. <laughs> She's not 19. Like, like maybe we should all just like get along here, but I don't know. Like, I think that if you just walk into a situation with like earnest and you're just like, this is, this is how I saw this and this is how I was showing up. And I understand that it wasn't the right way. And I, I, you know, like most people are kind hearted enough to accept it. And I, and I actually, I'm, I'm on the other fence of that with you. Like, I think Jamie did, he's doing okay. Like, I think the team's going to come around to him. Like, I think he's doing all right. But I do think there's like, um, no, I agree. I think he's doing his best with like the tools and he has, right? But I also think that we people often apologize because if you're upset with me, I don't like the fact that you don't like me. And so I'm going to apologize so mm. that you like me again versus apologizing because not because whether you like me or not is the ultimate goal, but I want you to know that I recognize how I hurt you. And how mm-hmm. it was wrong. And then I acknowledge that you're you're hurt. And so that, that takes like a different level of empathy to say, I know I hurt your feelings. It like imagine it was like, I gotta apologize. I can only imagine how rude and embarrassing it was when I hit on your mother in front of your father. (laughs) And I know that that probably didn't make you feel good to be associated with me, even though you want to have a lot of pride on this team. And I ruined that for you. I'm sorry. And moving forward, I'm not like, that's a very different, like, I'm not just trying to get, I'm not apologizing just so that you like me again, because I don't like the way I feel. It's not about how I feel. It's about making you feel better. And that, and I think people need, don't apologize that way. Okay, fair enough. I'm back on your. I'm back no, on your no, train. I, 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 I still <laughs> think he's trying. I do think he's. We see him shifting, but it is coming. No, I would. He doesn't. He doesn't really understand how he's at fault, right? He's just saying, like, I am universally sorry for everything that I did. Please like me again. I totally see that, but I also do feel like there's a piece of Jamie. That is like that is seeing that the way he was acting before wasn't the best. Oh, absolutely. To uh, to quote my friend Virginia, two things can be true. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I don't know who said that, but that they're a genius. Um, yeah, no, I, I do. Yeah, I do think he's trying his best, but it's not great. You know, it's not yeah, enough. Definitely. Okay, so the next thing that happens in this episode is that um, Keely gets Sam in this big gig with Dubai Air, yeah. and he has this really lovely picture taken of him, and he sends it to his dad, and his dad says, like, do you understand, like, why this is complicated, like, all the bad things yeah. that are behind this, and Sam didn't know, and so, like, now now Sam is, like, taken back, and he's, you know, he doesn't want to support this company that's destroying his home country. Yeah. And I know you and I, it's not that we necessarily disagree, but we don't 
maybe align. And I think Sam's got dad issues as well. I think seeing Mm. Sam's relationship with his parents, granted it's only through text, often reminds me of the relationship with my parents. It's like, and, and Jamie to some extent too, like trying your best to make them proud and then always being surprised at how, like that your parents don't realize that that's your motivation and how quickly they'll tell you how disappointed they are in you. And yes, mm. made Sam aware of something he didn't, made him reflect, made him think about his values. I I do think, though, it's like he is still very much holding his parents, especially his father's view of him, very high and still not... and. and Anyway, I think he got to the place where, like, well, what does this mean for me? Am I just doing – I don't think he just did it. So what ends up happening is that ultimately, like, not only does Sam ask to be pulled out from the Dubai Air ad and, like, this ad that was going to go around, but also wants to, like, use black tape to cover up the Dubai Air name on his jersey. And um, and that's a big thing. That's a, that's a form of protest. And, and Dubai Air is one of the biggest sponsors for their team. I, I I don't know. I want to, I really truly want to say like Sam got there in like reflection as to like, what's the right thing to do and what does Sam want to do? I, I don't think it's fully separated from like, what's going to make my dad proud. Yeah. I, yeah. And maybe it would have been different if his dad would have been like, just like kinder in the situation of like, I'm, I'm proud of you for achieving something, but also I need to like, I need to give you some information about the situation. Yeah. Right. Like, cause, cause I think, cause I do, I think Sam has a lot of pride in his country. And I think, I mean, I just think Sam's like the best person ever. And I think if he would have known ahead of time, he would have made that decision on his own. Yeah, right. I agree. He would have never done that ad. I But it was harsh. It it was harsh. His dad's response was 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 very harsh, but I also think he was just kind of being like a matter of fact yeah. of like did you know all these fucked up yeah. things are happening? And so when when he's it's also interesting too cuz when he like tapes over it and then Isaac asks him what he's doing and then tells him like, "Well, Dubai Air is a subsidiary of this company that's basically de- destroying the environment in Nigeria and leaving all these people without homes, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Um, Isaac, Isaac Ugh. then tapes over, and so Sam looks around, and like the the rest of the locker room is a little concerned because this again is a big sponsor. This is a form of protest, and um, Sam says, "Look, I get it. I don't expect anyone else to do this. This is really important for me, but I hope you understand why the Nigerians on the team are choosing to do this." And it was who was the first non-Nigerian player to come in it was Jamie. So t- oh, such oh chills. Talking about apologies, right? Like actions speak louder than words. And he says, he's like, why? Well, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, we're teammates, right? We all have to wear the same kit. And saying like, we got you. This is in solidarity. And then you find out they all come out. They all did it. And I think if Jamie hadn't done that, I don't know if the other players would have. Like, um, and at the end, like when they when they um at the end of the game. He talks about how courageous Sam was. So I, I think there's like, that's where actions speak louder than words. Like Jamie could have apologized in front of that locker room till he was blue in the face. But until mm-hmm. he started acting like a team player, 
I, you know, um, cause, cause this whole theme happens throughout the episode. And in the middle of this, we get in our, cause I'm going to go back to this because I think that there's an interesting juxtaposition here of two themes that are going on. So in the middle of this, this, um, display of solidarity with Sam and seeing Jamie support him, we also see Ted bring out his alter ego, which is led. <laughs> Tasso. Yeah, let's so before yes, in between the finding out that Dubai Air is helping destroy the Nigerian like landscape and and between and before, you know, Jamie you know stands up in solidarity. In between there, we meet Led Tasso, Ted Lasso's alter ego. Which is the most annoying, aggressive Midwesterner coach you could possibly ever imagine, which I'm sure he saw act the, like these actual characters and it's like how he came up with this crazy thing. It was And he even has this he has a scene where he's like, Get out there, touch your toes, those are your feet fingers. Yeah, he's like <laughs> listen up turd birds you know like i just like you're like what and the team is like so confused he's like they're like touch touch someone else's feet he's like yeah and then he's like just like what are you trying to make that ball your girlfriend and he's like nonsense like he's talking nonsense like he's obviously angry but he's also making zero sense and so the team's like what is happening he's like run 10 laps you know what no run a thousand like he's saying things that are like completely <laughs> nonsensical he's growling and mumbling like it's it's hilarious um and we kind of know that like beard was like do we have to i don't know like apparently this character has come out before and Te beard was like i don't know if anyone needs to see this coach and he's like no it's time it's time and then doctor so after ted is acting ridiculous dr sharon is on the field and she looks at him she goes interesting you're pretending to be an asshole so they make you the common enemy instead of jamie and ted's like yep yep B basically got all that <laughs> yeah it's like the team can't quite figure it out but like dr sharon within seconds was like oh i see <laughs> I wonder if anyone has ever actually done that in the workplace, like intentionally tried to be the asshole boss, like just so that the team would bond together. I mean, asshole bosses do make teams bond together, yeah. like none other. Not in the, not in a productive way, but like you want to you want to get a team to be gelling and talk to each other, just be incompetent. Like, right? Well, <laughs> it'll happen. Well, I don't think people intentionally choose to be incompetent and mean. They often. No, really, yeah, no, 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 no. I agree with you. However, I also agree that the the quickest way to make friends at work is to have a common enemy. <laughs> I've, I've had I had a boss before. He wasn't around very long, but like this girl that was on my team, we didn't really know each other, and I was like, um, everything he says is wrong, right? She was like, thank you, yes, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, what is going on here? For sure, for sure. Yeah. The and it's okay. And I know that in season one we talked about like, you know, how gossip and all that stuff is destruction and negative energy. But like let me tell you, when you are, <laughs> when you are in a dark spot, sometimes, you know, misery loves company. And like it is it is it's sometimes the only thing that can feels like it keeps you sane when you're like, oh, okay, you see this too, right? You see that this person's incompetent and you see that this person's like mean and you see that this and like, 
honestly, everyone listening, please reflect on who are your best friends at work and ask yourself, (laughs) do you have a common enemy or two? (laughs) Oh, bad bosses. They teach you so many lessons and they make you so many friends. And you try to be zen about it, right? Like, especially if you do our kind of work, you're like, well, that person just doesn't know, right? Like, it's not their fault that they're incompetent. Bless their hearts. But then, like, there's just part of you that's just like, stop being an idiot. Like, go read a book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who hired you? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe they, they maybe, maybe they were hired kind of like on Nate's story. Maybe they, they, mm. they had a power trip. You know, that happens. Often. Anyway, we're, com- we're conflating all of our, I, our thoughts. Okay. I don't, okay. I got it. Okay. I'm not going to nerd out too much on this, but I heard this term recently that I think is really interesting and it's called the Ikea effect. So it's this thing that happens psychologically that if you like, even like, so Ikea furniture, we know is like not the most quality furniture, but there's something that happens where if you build that piece of furniture, you get attached to it. Like, I'm not even kidding you. I have a I have drawers in my son in my son's room that I built like 15 years ago and I'll never get rid of it. Like it's like a real thing. But so it explains what happens whenever a leader hires somebody and they think that they're developing and they can't see the red flags in that person because they think that they built it. Oh, absolutely. So anyways, yeah, upgrade, get yourself some like room and board furniture. No, right. <laughs> reason one of the reasons why people don't don't fire bad bosses is because they're too attached to them yeah i have heard of the ikea effect i too have a ton of ikea furniture that is like i'm like well we could repurpose let's move it to a next room because like (laughs) and it's because you built it and what's interesting about ikea is like they could sell the furniture fully built or like i mean they now offer like ways that people can come and build it for you you know but they also recognize that as well as that people are more likely to keep it longer right and so from a sustainability perspective like also anyway i think it's really interesting i i also see the ikea effect of like you're more likely to keep something you built in in the line of work that i do around innovation and design thinking like we talk a lot about co-design and how important it is to bring people into um co-design and and when bosses and executives hear this they're like we can't like we can't just fulfill everyone's ideas i'm like that's not what the point is oh god and every time so, you know, every time like, well what if someone all this like i heard this once like what if someone says like oh we need to open an office on mars how are we going to make them happy i'm like <laughs> i'm like okay like first of all like fine fine but here's but what we would tell people is like it's okay if someone has a wild idea like let's open an office on mars because then we'd ask well what is it about mars or what would it be about that office and then you find out what it is about that idea and you're like cool now how could we recreate that on planet earth right like you can sort of you can always (laughs) right size a wild idea to be super creative and within your means but it's really hard to push your team to have wild ideas if you're always constraining them. So Okay, here's the here's the way here's the way how we wrap that up, this idea up. The IKEA effect, you have to watch out for it because it makes it so that you can have yeah. blind spots of people that you're developing, the things that you're developing, right? It's like how you get married to things. But also it's a very powerful, influential tool to use whenever you're creating innovation or you're doing change management, that if you don't allow people to be part of building building that ikea dresser they're not going to be attached to exactly it. yes and what were we talking about before ikea 
<laughs> we were talking about lead tasso. Lead tasso, lead tasso. Yeah, which was hilarious. It was like comedic, and it was just so perfect, and it was wonderful comedic <laughs> acting on Jason Sudeikis' part. Yeah. So lead tasso. So. Ted created this character to try to bond the team and, and Dr. Um, Dr. Sharon asked him, has it ever worked? And so him and coach Beard have this, little, have this whole thing with like, well, maybe that one time, but like the, the, the conclusion is no, it, it never actually really worked. But then we see the team go through something, which is making a tough decision, all standing together and being a team in, in that event of everyone gaining trust with one another is what brings them together as a team. So it's like the superficial juxtaposition with, with right. the real heartfelt situation that actually brings a right, team together. Right. It was, it, it was, he thought that like by, um, it actually ended up being Dubai air ended up being the common enemy. There you go. That's, oh mm. my, look at that. Yeah. I actually don't know if that's entirely true, but I, we'll go with it. Um, <laughs> But we also know at the end of this episode, their tie streak is broken and they lost. But we find out that they're celebrating. I mean, there's something like comparing season one to season two, the team is really gelled. And the fact that they're like celebrating, mm -hmm. even though they're lost, they're just like, because they were happy to break the status quo. They're like, yeah, like, at least we didn't tie. It's a change. It's something different. Like, I think they were really craving it and i and i wonder i don't know that there's really no reference to this in the show but i do wonder if all of a sudden ted kind of feels better about his decision to shake things up because like he couldn't just coast that status quo yeah. and even like a loss had these guys celebrating just because they themselves felt they were in a rut yeah they were moving forward oh, i i know you also want to talk about boundaries Oh yeah, I forgot there was so okay, yeah, that's how that's how we're gonna finish up this episode. So um so Jamie Tart has come back onto the scene and he's like trying to kind of weasel his way back into Keely because she's probably the only person he's ever had an authentic friendship with. And so he's like following her around and he's stalking her and he's like trying to talk to her, talk to her, talk to her. And so Keely, in her evolution of a human, goes up to Jamie and says, Jamie, come with me. And she grabs him by the hand and she walks him down the hall and then she walks him into Dr. Sharon's office and it's such an awesome moment because she's like this is not my job my job is not to listen to you complain my job is not to be your therapist here is an actual therapist and it's just I mean we just need that lesson time and time again in our life because people people will they'll try to treat you I mean whether it's your parents or your friends if you if you're not cognizant of it they will try to treat you as a therapist when they actually need to be at, a, at an actual therapist yeah and, and then like the answers are within Jamie right like I mean, it's it's important to go to your mm -hmm. friends for advice. It's important to like vent to friends. I mean, friends are amazing. Like they, they, yeah, for sure. But there are moments like, and with Jamie's thing, it's a much bigger thing where he, for the longest time, made decisions based on his relationship with his father, kind of lost track of what he really wanted. He's having a bit of an identity crisis because anyway, and he's, there's, there's things, there's deeper things he needs to do plus so there's like why he might need a therapist and also to like to your whole point keely's like 
yeah, I probably could help you. I probably could give you great advice, but like, I need boundaries. Like I'm with Roy now. Mm -hmm. Like, like I have this, this isn't my job. This isn't my job on this team. Like I can't be distracted. Like I need boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it it was such a cool, it it was such a cool moment. It's hard to do in real life. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard to do in real life. It's the, it's the hardest thing to do, but you know, I, a lot of, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that advice doesn't matter. Like you can never tell somebody something to do in their life. And that makes a real behavior change. Like people have to dig and they have to figure that stuff out for themselves. If you just keep a constant flow of people complaining and telling you over and over again, these cycles that they're in and they don't actually do anything about it, you're at, you're not really even helping them by giving them advice because they're not listening to it. Yeah. You're just, you're just letting that cycle continue. I mean, I've been in those situations where my kind of first boundary is to stop, is actually to stop giving advice, right? And then also bracing myself for being on the receiving end of like the same stories and complaints and issues. Um, and it, it it's hard, right? Because we want to help. We want to help problem solve. And this isn't just like, oh, well, maybe they just need to vent and I need to be a listening ear and that's my role. But it's actually... Mm-hmm. Um, they're stuck in a pattern. Yeah. And I've been there too, FYI. Like this isn't us being high and mighty. I have I have been that person before that has been stuck in a pattern, like wanting to complain 24-7 or I don't know, I don't know, like go into the highs and lows yeah. of life. Yeah, yeah. And, and I you need it. Everybody needs it to be like, hey, you actually need to go take care of yourself and go actually talk to somebody right now and not just, you know, not just yeah. do this to your friends 24-7 or your parents or brothers and sisters. Totally. And I know, yes, and I've been in that position as well. And for me, it's like, I I wanted to feel like validated um, that the, what the pain I was feeling or the frustration was valid. But then I had to ask myself, like, it is like, just, it is valid. Like, why am I seeking out? Like, it's, if I feel it, it's valid. You know what I mean? So that Mm -hmm. was really hard. But um, I think then keeping that in mind too, and I don't know if this is right, but knowing that like, okay, that's what it was for me when I like couldn't get out of my loops. I just sort of like valid. I'm like, yeah, that sounds frustrating. Yeah. I could see why you're upset. Like, and, but my first boundary is like no advice. Cause I'm, I'm tired. I also don't want to be, I also don't yeah. want to. And, um, and then the second form of boundaries, like, I'd love to change the subject. And that's hard when it's a family member or a, a friend. <laughs> yeah. But there's this saying, which all my sayings come from, like, tweets and Instagram posts. But, like, um, and I wish, honestly, I wish if someone knows who said this originally, please, like, let us know in the comments or what have you. But um, the people who get most upset about your boundaries are the ones that benefited from you not having any. Mm. And you kind of have to remind yourself of that too, because it's hard when you set up a boundary and then you feel guilty that people are upset. It's like they actually benefited from the fact that you didn't have any. And that's not right. So you're just kind of breaking that cycle. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to lose people in your life, which is also really hard, especially if you're a people pleaser. And I think in this case with Jamie, like he's not upset with Keely, right? Like I don't, I don't think he was like, Mm -mm. Taking advantage. 
He, he just didn't know any better. Yeah, he's just 24. He's just a silly and little 24 I think 24 he's just now realizing, like, when I think about talking, like, I think he, I don't know if he says this is in the first or second or third episode, but he says to her at some point, like, when he was stalking her at the coffee shop and stuff, like, when I think about talking, I think about you. Like, it's just, in terms of experience, like, the only person he's ever had a relationship like that with. Mm -hmm. um, so it makes sense to go back back to that but um he wasn't upset with her when she said no like i think he was appre appreciative yeah. and it was such a sweet moment you know with dr Cher when he was like wait so i just sit here and i can tell you everything that's on my mind she was like yeah <laughs> it was like okay cool because yeah, it was like thanks <laughs> keely for, for introducing me to this option you know yeah wrapping us up with clear's yeah, kind clarity is kindness clear is kind um all right. Well, that concludes season two, episode three. Um, we, again, are so happy that you're listening and enjoying it. Um, and as always, leave us some reviews, rate us, tell your friends. And until next time, thank you. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez, who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time.